Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This, at long last, is episode 107. I'm back! If you haven't guessed, I've seen a Lego movie, and it's the best movie ever. If you didn't see it, that's too bad. Because this song is awesome, and the movie's awesome, and everything is awesome, because I'm back on the airwaves with you! Oh my goodness. So, anyway, tonight, we're going to be catching up on some of the movies that I watched in my downtime, on my hiatus. So, do you know what you should be looking at, and what you shouldn't be looking at, girl? Now, normally I'd say we have got a lot to get to, so I'm going to play a little promo, but you know what? Not today. I'm not promoting anybody else today because it's just you and it's just me. Mr. Brad's out, the cats are asleep, and we're all alone together at last. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You. Everything is awesome. Okay, that wasn't really appropriate. I don't know why that played, but okay. Yeah, it's just the two of us, and everything is awesome. So what the hell has been going on? Hey, first of all, I just wanted to let you know, Marilyn, the audiobook that has been so complicated that it took me away from you for over a month is now still not finished. But you know what? It's closer than it's ever been. I've got about three, maybe two chapters to go. You're like, how do you not know? Well, trust me, I don't know, and it's really long and complicated. But uh, it has been a long and arduous process. I see a light at the end of the tunnel. I know I said that last time, and it turned out to be the train about to run me over. No, no, it's not awesome, okay? You can stop with the Lego song now, okay? Scott, is it Scott, my ghost? Remember Scott, my ghost? Yeah, he's been showing up again, so maybe he's doing that. I don't know. It couldn't possibly be me. But, uh, yeah, so it's almost done, and that's great. And believe me, I, I just could not wait anymore. I could not wait anymore to get this show out to you. So, oh, okay, now we've got a cat with us. Okay, now it's going to be some serious podcasting. So what has been going on besides that goddamn book? Well, I'll tell you, one of the things that's been holding me up is Brad and I keep passing some sinus infection. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So I think I'm on my fourth course of antibiotics right now. Although I finally figured out where it was coming from. For me, it was coming from my CPAP machine. Yeah, I guess you can only clean it so much. But viruses grow in there and bacteria. So yeah, I've been infecting myself every time I go to sleep. So that's nice. But something funny came out of that. Now, as most of you know, I had surgery on my tailbone in September because of what they call a polynodial cyst, polynodial cyst, polynodial, Polynesian cyst, I don't know, whatever. And sometime after I finished the last show, I noticed I was getting another spot 
in the same area. And I got nervous. I'm like, is it an ingrown hair? Is it a pimple? Is another one of those cysts coming in? So I panicked and I went to see my doctor. And he said, no, 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 it's fine. Because, you know, I can't see back there. You know, even with a mirror, I'm like, well, it could be anything. You know, paranoia, whatever. So I go see the doctor. He said, everything's fine. Now, two days later, I wake up in the middle of the night. My CPAP mask, which is over my nose, is filled with snot, like literally brimming over with snot, and it's overflowed, and it's all over my face and all over my chest. I look like I got hit with Slimer from the Ghostbusters, and it's this bright, sunshiny, yellow snot, and I'm like, that ain't right. So I go back to the doctor two days later, and he opens the door, and he sees me standing there, and he just announces really loud. He's like, Patrick, oh my God, what are you doing back here? You're not having trouble with your butt, are you? But, 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 he just announced it to the whole waiting room. Now, this is a doctor in Chelsea, the Chelsea part of Manhattan. So all of his patients are gay, and they're all hot, so everybody's now looking at me with my butt problem. And I got in the office, I'm like, Steven, what are you doing? He's like, what? I'm like, you just announced to the whole waiting room that I have problems with my butt, which is not true because it's my tailbone. He's like, oh, please, Patrick, you don't understand. 99% of my patients are here for some kind of butt problem. And that took me back. I'm like, that's a really high percentage. (laughs) I mean, that's a lot of problematic asses in the Chelsea area. That worries me. No, I had been saying, I'm like, Dr. Dylan, I got this problem with the sinuses and blood, and it's really bad, and it's really upsetting me because I had tickets to Rocky, the musical on Broadway, which was in previews at the time, and I had to give them up because I'm just so sick. And he's like, oh, it's too bad. It's a really good show. The guy who plays Rocky in it, he's one of my patients too. I'm like, okay, doctor, patient confidentiality thing? That's twice now. I'm like, okay. Okay. Now I want to fast forward a little bit. A few weeks later, I got tickets to Rocky again. I saw it on my own, and it's pretty good. You know, it's not the joke that everybody thought it was going to be, but I'm not talking about that right now. Because what I'm talking about, I'm looking at the guy who's playing Rocky, and I'm wondering what's wrong with his butt. And I'm looking at the program, it says he's married to a woman. I'm like, okay. Still, there could be something wrong with his butt. What are they into? I mean, he is a boxer. Maybe he's into fisting. Punch fisting. I am the tiger. Everything is awesome. No, not everything is awesome. Stop that. God damn it. Completely inappropriate. But yes, so Rocky the Musical, it was great. Yes, they did sing I am the tiger, and that was weird, but that's not the point right now. So something that happened in the neighborhood or is happening in the neighborhood that I want to tell you about, and I want to be kind of discreet about it, because I just want to say, if I disappear, this is why. If something bad happens in my neighborhood, this is why. Brad and I were out walking. We are going somewhere. It doesn't matter. And there's this guy. Now, I'd seen him before, but he didn't fully register. He's always standing in front of a house up the block from us. And I'd seen him there. And I never really paid much attention to him until Bradford pointed him out and said, Oh, my God. That man is completely gray. And I looked at him, and he was. And I don't mean his hair. I mean his skin. And then I started, and it dawned on me how odd this guy looks. His skin is gray. His lips 
are incredibly thick, but his mouth is also incredibly wide, almost like ear-to-ear wide. He's out there every day and has been out there every day in the afternoon, possibly more. That's the only time I'm out. Standing in front of this house in a hoodie, in this black hoodie, no matter what the weather is, and as you know, we've had some 16-degree days, he's just wearing this black hoodie. And he's on the cell phone, holding it up to his right ear. But here's the thing, he's never talking. I've never seen him talk, he's just holding it. And he wears these big black sunglasses like to take up half of his face. And I'm kind of picturing if he took them off, his eyes would look exactly like the big black eyeglasses because I think this guy might be an alien. And I wish I was kidding. There's something not right going on up the block. I'm looking at him right now. He's out there. Yeah, he's out there right now, standing there. This is one of those things. I'm like, I know it's New York and we have terrorists. And I'm like, do it to see something. I'm seeing something and I don't know who to say it to because technically he's not doing anything, but he's weirding me out. Now, I can already hear some of you just sitting there like, well, why don't you go out there and take a picture of him, Patrick? We want to see what this creepy person looks like. No. No, I'm not going to take a picture of him for a very simple reason. I'm scared, too. I don't want him to see me. Because if he sees me, he might probe me. So I'm just saying, if I disappear, if something happens, in Queens, now you have a lead. You can give this to the FBI or whatever because Mr. Gray down the street is freaking my ass out. So stop it. My friend Owen would be like, ooh, I have to ask him a million questions, ooh, because, you know, Owen's the alien expert and he'd wind up getting probed, which he'd enjoy, probably. Ooh, I got a visual. No probing Owen. The other thing that was keeping me busy, as you know, I sing with the New York City Gay Men's Chorus. And in March, we have our Big Gay Sing concert, which is a big sing-along concert. Uh, it's pop music. It's always very crazy and rowdy with people dancing in the aisles and lots of drag and crazy costumes and amazing guest stars. And this year was Martha Wash from the Weather Girls who came out and sang. You know, I got to sing back up with Martha Wash on It's Raining Men. I'm like, I am the gayest I have ever been right now. Everything is awesome. Shut up! Actually, that was awesome. It's not the point right now, but still rehearsals for that. Really, really draining, because, you know, with the book and this and being sick all the time and, you know, not doing the show and all these other things, life responsibilities. And by the way, I'm fired from the Jekyll and Hyde Club again, so just like, (sighs) so I'm poor. Not the point right now. But yeah, so, I mean, I have never gone to a concert less rehearsed than I have been for that concert. I I was making up words. There's a whole Gloria Stefan thing. I just, it was in Spanish. I just did the bubblegum watermelon thing. And if you don't know what that is, you're clearly not watching RuPaul's Drag Race. And I, uh, yeah, but it was all fine. It was great. It was groovy. And, um, oh, hey, listen, since Brad's not here, I want to have a little talk with you. Why don't you unbutton your shirt a little bit? Come on, a little bit more. Nice. Okay, that got gross. No, it didn't. Not really didn't. But what I wanted to say is Bradford has finally started getting work on his teeth. He's finally with a program that he can afford, that they're not going to bounce him out of again. So he has extensive work to do. 
And it started, which means he's getting a lot of teeth pulled. So he's been in a lot of pain. And on top of that, the last time he was at the dentist, he lost his flipper. You know, he had some a thing made out of his teeth that had fallen out to put in like a retainer but with teeth on it to, you know, make him look like he had a regular smile. They lost it. They set it aside and they lost it. And I get, they can't really make another one because it was made out of his teeth. So he's been very self-conscious and in a lot of pain. So if you happen to see him on Facebook, just drop him a little line and say hi. Just be a little friendly. Give him a little Bradford love because he needs it. That much said. <laughs> Bradford and I went to the movies. Yes, we saw the Lego movie, as I said. And that's not the point anymore, because what I want to talk to you about is when we went to see Nonstop, you know, with Liam Neeson. So we go to see this movie. I wanted to see it anyway, but I had heard that my friend Dan Dominguez, listener Dan Dominguez, was in it. And if you were in it, Dan, I didn't see you. Did they cut you? Because I will cut them if they cut you, Dan Dominguez. You're probably not listening because you're too busy doing your show at the public theater. Dan Dominguez has gotten really successful really quickly, and we're very proud of him. I give you two drops and a whoopsie for that. And if you don't know what that means, it's too bad. Anyway, so the movie's okay. It's kind of ridiculous. And we saw it at the little theater that's up the street here, you know, the little cheapo theater. So there's never anybody there. So it was just like me and Bradford, two people in front of us, and two people on the other side of the aisle directly across from us. And it got to the end of the movie. You know, the day has been saved. Spoiler. And Liam Neeson's standing there. And Julianne Moore is standing in there and he's looking at her and she's looking at him she looks at him and says so he looks at her and says so and i said really loud how about i take you home and eat your pussy and bradford just yells that would you shut up and crawls under the seat to die of embarrassment the people next to me are howling the people in front of us didn't speak english so they're like okay 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 so i like that so that was fine and it was really funny now if you don't know what that is that is the famous line from shark attack 3 i'm exhausted yeah me too but you know i'm really wired what do you say i take you home and eat your pussy uttered by all people john barrowman before he was on Torchwood, the, gay, like the gayest man on the face of the planet said that line about taking somebody home and eat their pussy, eating their pussy. And I was just thinking how much fun it would be if every movie, if every last line of every movie was that. That would be so good. I mean, just think about it. Gone with the wind. Red, red, where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? Or even The Godfather. I'll make him an offer you can't refuse. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? What a better world it would be if there was mu that much more pussy eaten in movies. You know what? I take that back. It's a terrible, terrible idea. Terrible idea. The other movie I got to see was called Enemy. Now this, of course, is a movie that is not considered, no, it's not suitable for the podcast. And this movie is completely mismarketed. It, star, it, star, it stars uh, Jake Jiggly Hall, as I like to call him. And it's marketed as a thriller, 
and it's totally not. Evidently, it's more like Donnie Darko. It's one of these movies you have to see four times to figure out, but I didn't like it enough to figure it out. So why are you talking about it? I'll tell you why. Now, Jake Gyllenhaal in this, he's some like boring college professor, you know, this boring life, and his, his, his slutty girlfriend. And one day he rents this movie, and he's watching the movie, and he realizes some guy in the background, this extra, looks exactly like him. Not like exactly like him, but he's got like different hair or like has a beard. Yeah, he has a beard. Well, you know, Jake, the regular Jake Gyllenhaal has a beard, but this guy in the movie, it looks just like him. And Jake Gyllenhaal becomes obsessed. Like, who is this guy? He starts running all the, like, looks him up on IMDb and finds out who he is. And he you was know, Googling him all the time and figures out where he lives through his, uh, you know, finds out where his agent is and through that finds out where he lives and he's stalking around the apartment all the time and you're like, where is this going? I don't know where this is going. And he keeps calling him and he's like, hey, listen, this sounds really weird, but my name is Blah. I'm a professor at Blah. And I, I wonder if we can meet because it sounds weird, but I look just like you. And of course, the actor dude is like, uh, please leave me alone. You're crazy. And I look to my friend who was seeing the movie with him going, he's going to meet him because he's an actor. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, we're all egotists. We want to see this person. We want to be like, who is this guy that keeps calling me? He's probably like this crazy fan. And you know what? I want to meet him because like, um, you know, you know, just I want to see. Because we know that's how we are. It's all about us. And the weird thing is, the Jake Gyllenhaal from the movie is like, I'm going to get a room at this motel. Why don't you meet me in this room at the motel? And I'm like, that's a weird thing to do. Now, in this movie, Jake Gyllenhaal, is bearded, often in sexual situations, therefore in states of undress. And he is furry, furry, furry. So he's got the beard, he's got the jawline, he's got the hairy chest. And I'm like, how you doing, Jake Jigglyhaw? How you doing? Woof. So now we got two Jake Jigglyhaws in a stumpy motel room and they're just looking at each other like, mm, mm. I'm like, oh my God, are we gonna have twin cest? Are they going to get it on? Because why are they meeting in a motel room? They don't! How dare you? How dare you put two hot Jake Jiggly Halls that are bearded and furry in a motel room, touching each other, and then not have them have sex? Come on now. Boo. Boo on enemy. Enemy? More like anima, okay? That movie needed an anima. And so do I. Because why not? And as tradition dictates, I'm going to be... Dick takes? Dick take. Well, I do dick take occasionally, but I, what I was going to say, but as tradition dictates, I'm going to be playing a little music to God of Sin. And how can I not play a recording of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus singing It's Raining Men with the legendary Martha Wash? Yeah, this recording isn't the best. It was done by somebody in the audience on a cell phone, so it can't really handle the sound. You can't really hear the chorus. You can't really hear the band. You can just basically hear Martha and the people in the audience. But you know what? This is one of the most exciting moments that I've ever had on stage. I got to sing with a legend. I mean, she started the club scene, the club music scene. You know, she, well, no, she didn't start it, but she was there at the beginning, and she pretty much survived Everybody that she started that scene with. People have come and people have gone and Martha still stands firm and the men keep raining down upon us all. So that much said, get out your umbrellas, ladies and germs, because it's gonna start precipitating dicks all up in this business. Ew, that would be terrible. Gross. 
Okay, so the first movie that I want to talk about in the slew of movies that I'm going to be talking about was a movie that was recommended to me by world-famous author Robert R. Best of the World Memorial Zombie Trilogy, which if you haven't read by now, get on that, girl! Or boy, just get on it. Anyway, that just got weird, and that's okay, because you know why? The movie's called Dark Touch. Now, normally... If I got a call from Robert Arbest, it's like, I highly recommend Dark Touch. I'd be like, what? I don't want no Dark Touch from Robert Arbest. But you know what? I was feeling daring, and I watched it. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Shh. Don't be afraid. Can you give Mommy a smile? A goodnight kiss? Are you still very sad? That's normal. Do you want to talk about your parents and your brother? It's going to take time to find her a foster home. We can take her. Don't be surprised if she's withdrawn or difficult. It's her. I know it seems like a nightmare, but one day it'll be better, you'll see. She murdered an entire family. Are you all right? Yes. This is impossible. Have you seen what she's done? talk to the children about what they said at school. They don't realize everything we did. They'll have to be punished. But there's no Lucky Charms or Irish Spring. So I was like, what? I don't know what's going on. But that's not the point right now. It's about this little girl, see? And at the start of the film, you, know, you see her running through the woods. Evidently, her parents keep saying, oh. She winds up at a neighbor's house and her tongue is cut and she's all beaten up. And when the parents come to pick her up, they're like, oh, yeah. She keeps saying that she's afraid of the house. And she's like, the girl's like, please don't take me back. Please don't take me back. But they take her back anyway. And you start to get the impression that there's something not right. Not only with the house, but with this family. Now, there's all this paranormal stuff happening. Shit moving around with themselves and, you know, windows and doors opening and closing. And I said to Bradford, I said, Bradford, something tells me that this is not a ghost. This is actually classic poltergeist activity. Now, I don't mean poltergeist like in the movie. I mean the basic definition of poltergeist is that it's a noisy ghost and they seem to be associated with pubescent age girls 
who are in some kind of traumatic situation. You know, like, okay, their Menzies is about to kick in. They're in bad in a bad way, and shit starts freaking out. Again, beware the vagina is what I'm saying. So I'm saying, I think it's one of these. And I was right, except it's not actually associated with that. Exactly. She's got control over this. Well, she does it in the beginning, but she does quickly. And this is not a spoiler. It's in the trailer. It's not long before her parents die horribly in supernatural ways. And quite disgusting in gory ways, I might say. And she's taken in by that neighbor couple, the one that she ran to initially. And they're starting to notice something weird. You know, everybody in town thinks that she killed her family. There's more murders in town. And this movie's not for everyone. I kept wanting to turn it off because it was so slow. It's deathly, deathly slow. And a lot of the stuff that's going on isn't actually going on in front of you. It's going on behind the scenes. You're like, what's the secret history? What's going on? What's happening? And at the end, and like character motivations aren't always entirely clear. For instance, this girl is kind of getting vengeance on people that are bad, that abuse children. But then she starts turning it on people that don't. And I could see how you can get confused. And I said, I get this. This is like the cycle of violence. This girl, again, not a spoiler. This girl was abused. And now she's got this power. And she doesn't know how to use it or understand. She has no frame of reference for a normal family or anything. So anytime she feels any kind of threat or any kind of strange feeling, she lashes out. And ultimately, I liked it. Mr. Brad and I talked about it quite a bit afterwards. But... It's not for everyone. It doesn't spell everything out, and it moves like a turtle on quaaludes. So it is very, very slow, but it's deliberate, and there is some really shocking stuff in there if you can get through it. And if you have patience, because like I said, it doesn't explain things to you at all. There's two other kids that join up with her, and people are like, what are they, ghosts? What's going on? Are they real? Are they not? I'm like, just be quiet. Maybe it'll get explained. Maybe it won't. It does, but you have to wait a while, but... I'm chewing gum and that's really rude, so I'm spitting it out right now. Two, Dark Touch. A cautious recommend. Next! Ah! Okay, the next movie is a movie called Dead Before Dawn. Not Dead by Dawn, because that would be a complete ripoff. And this is a zombie, co- well, not exactly a zombie, sort of, well, pretty much is a zombie comedy, out of Canada. Let's take a listen to the trailer. Let me give you the nickel tour and explain the ground rules. Under no circumstances is anyone that come within spitting distance of that earth. What happens if it breaks? That urn contains an evil spirit, and when it breaks, it escapes and curses you. You're weird, man. Don't cry. I'm not crying. I'm sweating in my eyes. Imminent doom is upon us here, Becky. Imminent doom. Casper, are you on the weed? We are in serious trouble. Maybe if we're really quiet, she'll just go back to sleep. Whoever we make eye contact with is going to kill themselves. Come back as zombie demons and try and kill us. We're cursed. Everybody grab a weapon. 
over here! You broke. No kidding! Look at me when I talk to you. I will never look at you. Are you on the weed, boy? No! I'm going in! Professor Duffy? Oh, God. Ugh. Oh, my God, this is so gross! Now, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You're saying, Patrick, I thought you didn't cover zombie movies on the show. I said, well, no, I don't normally because I'm tired of the genre and... Up until recently, there were other sources that covered it better. And I'm talking about the Mail Order Zombie podcast, which is now defunct. So anything zombie-related, I'd kick you over to there because he's covered it and he'll do a better job, more considerate and more conscientious job of it than I would. But he's gone. And this looked a little different because I listened to the trailer. I didn't listen to it. You just listened to it. But I watched the trailer and I said, this looks like fun. It's got Christopher Lloyd. It looks funny. It's original. Now, in the story, as you can tell, well, Christopher Lloyd owns a, mag- owns a magic shop. In the magic shop, there is an urn. In the urn are the ashes of a demon that killed people a thousand years ago. I don't know, whatever. The whole blah, blah, blah. In other words, he, t- he leaves the store with his stupid high school grandsons, like, do not touch the urn. Don't let anyone near the urn. The guy's in the store for like five seconds, and the urn breaks. And he's with all his dippy high school friends, and they're all, like, joking, like, ooh, what's going to happen? Is there going to be a curse? Oh, my gosh. I guess, like, all these people rise up and be zombies. No, that's boring. They're zombies possessed by demons. That's hilarious. Yes, and they're going to rise up, and they're going to try to give you a hickey. Yeah, and if they bite you, you're going to want to kill yourself, too, and then you come back as one, too. And if we're not... If we don't break the curse by dawn, we'll be cursed forever. This is exactly what they say. Like, this is exactly the conversation you'd have. Nobody apologizes for breaking it. But whatever, it's comedy. Okay. Okay. And that's what happens. Here's what I have to say about this movie. This is exactly how you do a horror comedy completely wrong. This is wrong on every level, and it's so irritating. You've got all the elements. It's got a good production value. The special effects, the zombie, I'm sorry, the, what do they call them? They're not zombies. Not zombies. Oh, Zemans, Zemans, zombie demons. They're good, like they're veiny and they're gross and they're fun and some of the deaths are good, but here's the problem. Every person in this movie and I'm talking about the director. I'm talking about the screenwriters. I'm talking about all the actors. Everybody thinks they're hilarious. There's no straight guy in this movie. Everybody's the comedian, and every line is ha, 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 funny. Except they're not. The quickest way to kill comedy is to think you're funny. It doesn't work. 
So as a result, the comedy doesn't work. And they put so much focus on the comedy that the horror doesn't work. I don't give a shit about anybody because they're so fucking annoying and there's no weight to anything that's happening. Somebody's mother gets killed. Kills herself in front of him. He has to kill her and he's just like, waka waka. There's no stakes. And it's a shame. Christopher Lloyd is very funny. The only thing I liked out of this movie is that it's from Canada. So you had magical moments where people are looking at each other going, Get out of the hoose! Get out of the hoose! And it just made me think of Tommy from Toronto and I wanted to give him a squeeze. I hated this movie for what it could have been. And that's a sad thing. It's just, you're not... Funny, plus you're all like 40, okay? You're all 40, pretending to be in high school, and it's just not funny. Stop quipping. Not everything has to be a punchline. You know why? Jokes require a setup. You can't have bum bum after every line. You go crazy. And this is what I was doing. I was like, please stop joking. Please stop cracking jokes. Just address the situation. This is why Shaun of the Dead is one of the ultimate horror comedies because it embraces both halves perfectly but also knows when to say this is not funny anymore. For instance, the part where Sean says I had to kill my mother and my stepdad today. Please don't make me kill my best friend too. Dead serious. Tears in his eyes. That gives it weight. That makes it real. There's nothing real in this movie and it sucks as a result. Dead before dawn? Bite my big, fat, hairy, ass. You can give my ass a, a hickey. Actually, somebody got a dicky and this didn't even make sense. Okay, forget it. You know what? I'm not talking about this movie. I'm not talking about this movie. Fuck this movie. This is why I don't do zombie movies because they're all dicks. Zombies are dicks. Thank you. Next! Ah! The next most movie on the list I just kind of against my better judgment sat down to watch it. I was bored. Something about it intrigued me. I'll tell you about that afterwards. It's a movie called Toad Road. Let's take a listen to the trailer. He seriously kidding. wants to get knocked out. I'm not fucking kidding. As hard as you can. Are you recording? Right here. Alright, this is James getting knocked out. My life is falling apart around me. I'm losing everything. I wake up every day and I feel like shit. It just doesn't seem worth it anymore. Why me? Toad Road. It's like the local high school urban legend. I just kind of wanted to drop some acid and just see what happened. Okay, so what intrigued me about this movie? First of all, this movie's horribly, horribly, horribly mismarketed. This isn't a horror movie. It sounds like it, but it's not. Not in the way that you think, and actually really not at all. Now, initially what drew me to this is that I worked in central Pennsylvania for a year at a theater out there doing my internship to get into Actors' Equity. And I was about half an hour away from York, Pennsylvania, where this movie takes place. 
So I am very, very familiar with the urban legends of Toad Road. It's a real place. So I was intrigued. And it looks like a found footage movie, but it's not. I'll come back to that. Now, the legend of Toad Road, there's several of them. Like, it used to be behind an asylum and blah, blah, blah. But there's these gates along Toad Road. Allegedly, there's seven of them, but they lead to hell. They're the seven gates to hell. The deeper you go in, the crazier you get. No one's gotten past the fifth gate. We've all heard this story. Well, you haven't, but everybody in the area knows that story. If, you've, if you're anywhere near York, Pennsylvania, you know all about Toad Road and all the various stories about people who disappeared and this, that, and the other thing. Nightmare stories about Toad Road, you know, high school hazings and shit like that. You know, it's a thing. So I started watching this movie, and it's really kind of painful. Because it's for the longest time, it's just these real. The main guy is this musician dude, and he hangs all, hangs out with these losers, and it seems like all they do is party, have these obnoxious parties, and take massive amounts of drugs. Massive amounts of drugs, and so for the longest time, there's no plot. In all this, there's this nice girl that he's dating, and she doesn't do drugs, but she's curious about things. She wants to try shrooms. Now they're going out into the woods to a cave to try shrooms. So she's like, okay, I just want to try it this one time. She does it one time and like it opens this whole world to her. Now she's had some out-of-body experience and now she, she wants to go to Toad Road, take drugs, and walk the seven gates. Here's the thing. This was not made as found footage. This actually started being made as a documentary. So all this footage of these kids and partying and drugs are real. These parties are real. The drugs that they're taking are real. They're not actors at all. So when that guy, <laughs> there's a lot of schlong in this movie. Somebody, you know, at one of these parties passes out, dick hanging out, so they set his pubes on fire. They did that. That's nice. Good kind of friends. Normally my friends just draw dicks on your face, but they set his dick on fire. But, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. But the thing is, I didn't know this going in. So the, the film is frustrating because I'm waiting for the plot to start. And then at the end, it said, dedicated to the memory of blah, blah, blah. And the name of the actress, well, the name that they put up was the name of the, 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 the nice girl. I said, huh, that's weird. And I'm looking at the, I'm like, oh, did they just dedicate it? Because, you know, she goes down the road with this boyfriend and she disappears. He's gone for six months. He has no memory of anything. And she's just gone. And I don't know if I'm making any sense, but the movie doesn't make a lot of sense because this girl died. She OD'd shortly after the movie. At some point, they decided to change it up a bit and try to make a movie out of it, but she she was actually getting lost in the drug scene. And what happened is pretty much what happened to her. And I realized the seven gates of hell are kind of like when you're losing your mind in the world of drugs. And I speak from experience. I used to have a serious, yeah, copious drug habit. And, you know, they say, oh, the first gate is when you start to think everybody, you know, there's people out there watching. I'm like, yep, that's right. Second gate is this, that. And I, I got it. I got it. And all of a sudden, this guy has six months of his life that he can't account for. I'm like, I get that too. And he lost this girl down the road. She went on further than he did and he never saw her again. This is an interesting movie in an experimental kind of way. It's not entertaining. I kind of recommend it. I kind of don't. 
uh, if you do some time and do some research on the true story behind it and then watch it, I think you might enjoy it more because I kept waiting for the horror movie to start and it never did. So Toad Road, walk it if you dare. And if you do your homework first. And if not, set your dick on fire. What? No, don't ever do that. No, no, no. Next! Ah! The next movie I want to talk about is called Contracted. 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 I don't know how you want to say it. I'm going to go with Contracted because this girl contracts something nasty. Let's listen to the trailer. Are you trying to get me drunk? Yes. Are you here with anyone? No. I'm not. Are you seeing anyone? I am. He's a lucky guy. Girl. Why isn't she here with you tonight? We should stop, please. Slept in pretty late this morning. Okay. Don't even start with that. What seems to be the problem? What the hell is wrong with your eye? Are you sexually active? Are you using protection? This appears to be some sort of sexually transmitted disease. This with me. Not come into contact with anyone until we can determine what it is we're dealing with. So as you probably gathered from the trailer, this is about a young girl. Now, we learned this fairly quickly. She's kind of a budding lesbian. She's on the tail end of her first lesbian relationship. She's been with this girl who's horrible, she's super controlling, super kind of cruel, like very abusive, psychologically abusive. And so she, even when she's broken up with her, she's at this party and she's like, oh, well, so-and-so, my girlfriend might show up and she doesn't like when I drink, so I'm not gonna drink and blah, blah, blah. And like, for, you know, her friends are like, forget her, have some drinks. So as a result, she gets like, I got dumped drunk. And she meets some dude who may or may not have slipped through a roofie. It's not clear. But even though she is a lesbian, she winds up having sex with him. And almost immediately, the day after, things start to happen to her. Bad things, bleeding out of places you don't want to bleed. Weird cramps, weird bruises, weird rashes, weird veins popping up where they're not supposed to be. This is a nightmare for the STD age. She has casual sex, even though it isn't particularly consensual, with some stranger and gets something really funky that's eating her really quickly. This is gooey. This is gory. This is gross. But it's not great. There's something off about the whole thing. And I'm not sure what we're trying to do here. Like, I'm not sure if parts of it are supposed to be satirical. Because 
I spent a lot of time yelling at the TV screen because she goes to the doctor a couple of times and he's just like, yeah, well, um, that's kind of unusual, but we'll let you go anyway. I'm like, she's bleeding out of her eyes. Why aren't you sending her to the hospital? Like you heard in the trailer, he's like, you can't come into contact with anyone. That's when things are really bad. She's like, she's, things are very bad. Hair's falling out, teeth falling out, everything's happening. And he's like, you are contagious and you cannot be around anybody. You know, go home. Then in the hospital, I don't know if that was a statement on the American medical system or not. I don't know. There's kind of a weird L.A. feel, like the disconnect between all the characters. Everyone's so self-centered that they don't really notice anything going on around them or happening to her or happening to anybody, really. And I've got two words to sum up this movie. I will spoil the best part of it. If you do not want to know the best part of it, cover your ears or take your earbuds out for approximately five seconds because I'm going to say those two words at the count of three starting now. One, two, three. Pussy maggots. Okay, are you back now? Yeah, okay, we're not going to discuss those two words because I think everything you needed to know was in those two words. The thing that intrigued me, though, about this is that I know a lot of people will watch and be like, why isn't she going, why is she more concerned? She hides what's going on with her for a long time. She's like, eh, I'm bleeding out my hooch. And I got these weird veins coming up out of my hooch. Eh, I'll go to work anyway. I got that. I mean, as a lot of you know, I was really sick with a brain infection 10 years ago that almost killed me. And for months, I just hid what was going on with me. I'm like, yeah, I'm shaky. I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, that's right. I can't control my hands much anymore, but that's okay. I got it. You know, I keep forgetting where I am when I walk around town. No, no, no. I'm fine. I got that. But it's weird. The girl's self-centered. Everybody's self-centered. So nobody's particularly likable. But I found it a fun journey anyway. And when you finally find out exactly what this movie is all about in the very last second, I'm not going to spoil it. You go, aha. That was clever. Contracted. I give it a recommend. It's not a perfect movie, but you know what? People were thinking, and that's always a huge, huge plus for me. And plus, there were those two words that I can honestly say I've never seen that in a movie before. Next! And finally, the next movie I want to talk about is not a movie at all. It's actually a Japanese TV series available on DVD, and the series is called Prayer Beads. Now, it's on two DVDs, and I'm only about halfway through. They're half-hour little stories, and for the most part, I've been really enjoying them. Some of them are kind of like your standard Japanese ghost story stuff, but the other ones are goofy enough or gross enough to just make me say, I like this. And, you know, granted, they have terrible CGI, but you know what? That's kind of fun in its own right, too, particularly in this one with weird seal monsters. But that's not the point. We're not talking about that one. The one I want to focus on is the second bead, the second chapter of the story. I'm not going to spoil this. I'm going to just tell you a little bit of the story because I just found it very, very funny. What I'm going to do is I'm going – I found uh, a link to the entire chapter on YouTube. I'm going to post this on the webpage. I urge you to go and see it because I enjoyed the shit out of this one. So it's this couple, 
And they're going for, I don't know, a weekend retreat in the woods at some cabin that they rented. Great, lovely. Here's the thing. They're both horrible people. She's the most obnoxious person. She's just this bitch who complains all the time. It's funny. And this guy's this total goofball. And I think he might have been in, oh, what was that zero thing? Zero, zero something. I forget. Some Japanese zombie thing, something zero. It was that's crazy with guitars and you know heavy metal and zombies. You know, I can't think of what it's called, but that's not the point right now. I think he was in that. So these two are clearly comic. They're just meh, 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 meh at each other. He's completely henpecked. She's a complete pain in the ass. They get to the house and there's no water. And they call, you know, the the landlord or whoever they rented it from, and they're like, oh, well. Well, here's the number for a contractor, not a contracted, a contractor or whatever, the the the, land, uh, the young maintenance dude. They call the maintenance dude. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't come and fix the water right now. It's too close to dark. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, you can't go out at night here. It's very dangerous. There have been many stories about people who have disappeared. Evil spirits walk these woods, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, Bitcho was just like, well, I want water. I want to take a shower. I'm hungry and we can't cook anything. I don't have any water. Go get me stuff. So she bullies her boyfriend to go out. He's driving around. He can't find anything. He can't find a store, nothing. But eventually, in the middle of the woods, literally in the middle of the woods, he finds, in the middle of this clearing, this ancient, beat-up vending machine. Nothing else around. <laughs> Just a vending machine, vending machine, hanging out in the woods, you know, like you have. And it doesn't seem to have any power, but he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry and thirsty, I'm gonna put... He puts his coin in anyway, and surprisingly, the thing lights up. Holy cow. He hits the button. He gets two sodas. And he's thrilled, and he goes back, and she's like, what are these? I've never heard of this soda. I don't want this. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. He's like, well, I'm going to drink mine. And he's drinking. He's like, oh, this is really good. And she's looking at it going, ew, it smells really good. He's like, oh, no, it's really good. But he's like, no, it's disgusting. I don't want it. So she drinks it. Now they're both, like, lapping this up. They can't get enough, like, beating each other up to finish the soda. And as soon as they finish the soda, they both get really horny. And they fuck like crazy people. So I'm like, I don't know what is going on right now. Okay, so they went to the woods. He goes, he finds a soda machine in the middle of nowhere and brings home a couple of cans of miso horny soda. And I wish I could read Japanese because the cans had a label on them and they didn't translate that. I would love to know what these cans were labeled as. But, <laughs> but I decided to be so horny soda. That seems to be the side effect. You can't get enough of it and then it makes you really horny. And so the next day they're like, we're horny. We're not horny anymore, but we want some more miso horny soda. So she's like, he's like, I can't go. So I don't know what happens, but eventually... They wind up, they get more miso horny sona, and then shit goes absolutely crazy. I loved this segment. And the thing I loved about this segment is that they didn't put the title up until the end. Because the title came up and I just pissed myself. And no, it was not called miso horny soda, which it should have been. But prayer beads, I'm really enjoying this, especially the second link, which uh, the second bead, which I'll put up on the website. And I think that's about all I've got for you guys when it comes to movies for now. Waka waka.
Patrick. This is Edward. Hey, honey. From More Geek Than Gay, or Yay. that guy in Phoenix, or... Yes. You know, at 45, or... You're all the However things. you wish to know me. All of... Ooh, I'm just calling because I want to... Oh, my God, my bird's going to be loud. Okay. What? I'm just calling because I wanted to, like, make sure you had a voicemail for your first um, um, return Episode? podcast. There we go. Everything. I'm trying to figure out where a cat went to. <laughs> so, um... But it, it looks like when I checked on Facebook, I might be a day too late. So no, I might be being trying to be a good doobie too late. Oh, well, I tried. I hope that everything is going okie dokie for you, and I will check you out later. Because I got, I got nothing else. I, I'm still waking up. So. Oh. so love you lots. Bye. You know, sometimes no content is better than poor content. But no, it's always wonderful to hear from you, Edward. Especially when you say things like, well, any way you want to know me. I'm like, baby, I want to know you biblically, like Old Testament. I want to part you like the Red Sea. What? Okay, that was dirty. But thank you for calling in, Edward. Fortunately, I had lots of calls yesterday for my gargoyle, but you're the only voicemail of this week, so yay. However, however, I did get a very nice email that I would like to share with you now. Uh, it is from listener Juliet, who is in Scotland, and I could be really obnoxious and read this in my Scottish accent, but I won't do that because it's kind of long, but I want to share it because she shared a lot of information. Now, in my last episode, way, 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 way back again, a long time ago, I recommended you guys check out a movie called The Seasoning House. And I did not know what that term meant. And when I Googled it, I couldn't really find anything. So Juliet was very kind to provide that information. And her letter says, her, her letter, her email says, Hi, Patrick. I've been meaning to message you for ages to say how much I enjoy your podcast. Why, thank you, Juliet. <coughs> Excuse me, as I cough all over you. Oh, and by the way, <coughs> the radiator just kicked in with the steam heat, so I did not spring a leak if you're hearing that hissing. My butt did not spring a leak, so we're all good here. Anyway, first, she continues, first, I did some searching for the meaning of seasoning house. Seasoning house. The best I could find was, quote, a place where young girls are prostituted to the military, which that makes perfect sense because that's exactly what was happening in the movie. And she goes on to say, it sounds like a really interesting film. In my city, Dundee in Scotland, we have a horror movie group called Dundead. And those of you who are in that area can check it out at uh, Facebook, Dundead, D-U-N-D-E-A-D. And we meet up about once a month at our local cinema to watch a horror movie. We also have a festival in early May. Last year, it was 12 films and numerous short films across four days. So I might suggest The Seasoning House for the next festival. Based on your review, it sounds like something the Dundedites would appreciate. Dundedites. See what she did there. Now, this is the good part. I started listening to your podcast a few months ago. My boyfriend and I went to see Dandy Darkly's fantastic Glory Hall show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival last year. I'm sorry, Edinburgh Fringe Festival last August. Sorry, my Yankees showing. And in October, Dandy put a link on his Facebook page to the episode of your podcast where he and you reviewed Tourist Trap, and I was hooked. My boyfriend and I have been working our way through your back catalog of podcasts ever since. Oh, good luck with that, girl. 
Good luck with that. While I remember, I should mention to you one small thing that made me laugh in one of your early episodes when you were talking about how your mum misheard Horror Hound Weekend as Whorehound. In the UK, there's a very old-fashioned candy named Whorehound, which you can still buy in some sweet shops. The name has always amused me. Silly, I know, but I thought I would share. Silly, honey, that is positively juvenile, and so I love it, I love it, I love it. Anyway, I just wanted to say how much I enjoy your work and that I will be, and that I hope things go well for you over the next few weeks and that you'll be able to get back to podcasting soon, which you think is up here. Best wishes to me and Bradford and Tyler and Sebastian and the whole thing. Now, I passed this on to Danny Darkly because, you know, to thank him for pointing somebody in my direction. And also, I know that he loves Ego Boost. And he was like, ah. And he also wanted to let me know, or rather let you know, and to let Juliet know that he's returning to Edinburgh. Uh, for the next Fringe, doing a show called Pussy Panic. Because what else would he call it? And you know what? She already knew. So thank you, Dandy, for giving me Juliet. And thank you, Juliet, for saying hi and for educating us all about how to find hookers for military folk in the seasoning house. I'll have paprika, please. Rosemary was too obvious, okay? And those of you who listen to The Hysteria Continues know that paprika equals anal paprika. So never mind, never, okay, you know what? When I have digressed into eroticizing my spice rack, it is time to wrap this puppy up for another show. It's been great to be back with you all. And next time, I think I'm going to be joined by my friend Sean from Texas. Now, he is a film director. He is a gay film director. Well, not he's gay and he's a horror film director. And he's got a movie coming out called Sacrament. And he's going to be joining me to talk about that. And he's recommended a movie for us to watch together and talk about. And that is called Creature from the Pink Lagoon. Or Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. I'm not sure because I don't have it in front of me. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So look forward to that. And uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with the show and be like uh, Edward and Juliet and anybody else, all those poor fools who called in yesterday to talk to Flem, and you know, I'm sure he'll he'll be happy to give out any advice if you need any. You can reach me at 347-767-3509 or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com or you can like me on Facebook by searching Scream Queens Horror Podcast on the Facebook browser and joining the group or you can follow me at Twitter at screamqueens.com uh, No, just at screamqueens and of course that's screamqueens with a Z! And you can tell your friends that you can now find the show on Stitcher. The Stitcher app, which has all your favorite podcasts in one convenient location. And hey, feel free to start writing reviews over there. Because I know iTunes, is the whole podcasting thing has kind of gone bupkis over there. I don't use it at all anymore because that whole app just doesn't work anymore. The whole freaking thing just is a mess. I can't access my shows in the way I need to access my shows. But hey, if you're on the iTunes store, leave a review. If you're on Stitcher, leave a review. And if you feel like donating to the show, by all means, hit that donate button at this on the uh, on the homepage, which is www.screamqueens.com. Queens with a Z, as you know, as I know you know, as I know you know, you know you know. So, babies, my sweet little babies, until next time. Continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, So, you finally come dragging yourself home. Well, I'm so happy I could just shit my pants.
Well, how about that? I did shit my pants. Oopsie. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>